Well, guys, a lot of things today, man, but I, I think it's just, man, God is good. And, uh, and we're, we're starting a series today called A Walk Through Colossians. And it's so important to remember why we do this, okay? And, and so uh, Colossians is, is an important book of the Bible, but all of them are important. And, and the fact is that we, we started doing this even before I got here, the idea of let's do a walkthrough where we read the entire the entire chapter to you and then break parts of it down so that by the end of it, you've heard the entire book of the Bible. And so uh, this is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Church of Colossae, and it's a smaller town with not a whole lot going on. A lot of people have come to know Jesus through the work of a man named Epaphras, and they're, now they're being led astray by others who seem to have a skewed view of Scripture. And this is Paul writing to them, trying to get them to see that, that Jesus is their source. It's important for you to understand that. Jesus is your source. I am not your source. Pastor Jim, Reverend L, our worship team, Pastor Kate, our entire staff, Pastor Dan, none of us are your source. We're shepherds, for sure, but we're not your source. Jesus is your source, right? He's your source of strength. He's your source of, of, of all of it. And so he's trying to get them to understand that it's not works, it's not tradition, it's Jesus. And so uh, we're going to play the whole entire chapter real quick. It's only a few minutes. And then I'm just going to kind of share out of something that jumped off the page at me. And so um, we have, again, invited Johnny Cash to come and read... Colossians chapter 1. Give it a listen. The Epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Colossians. Chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, 
whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled, in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister, according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery, which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Ah, oh, man, there's so much there. I love, I love, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. One of my favorite phrases, another one that says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. He has snatched us out of the hands of darkness and, and found the way to get us into the presence of God. How amazing is that? So there's so much there that I want to talk about. And so just like with any other one of these, I, it's, it's always so hard. Where, where do you start? Where do you go? And so I'm going to start with, with where I just felt like the Lord uh, just kind of jumped off the page at me. And so that's where we're going to start. And so uh, this is Paul's prayer for the church of Colossae. And this is, I believe, also would be still his prayer for us. Amen. It's amazing to me that, that even hundreds of years, thousand, a couple thousand years later, this is still irrelevant to where we are. And you're like, maybe I don't understand how it is. You'll, you'll see it in a minute. And so it starts with the discussion of their faith, and he talks about how, how he's stirred by their faith and their love for the saints, and that's what starts it off. But he goes into this prayer that I believe is still very, very important for us. And so let's look at it. We're going to start at verse 9, and I'm just going to, I'm going to read slowly 9, 10, and 11. It says, for this reason, for what reason? Their love, their faith. Okay, that's what he's talking about. For this reason, also since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you, and check this out, and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Is there anybody that, other than me that thinks to myself, that would be amazing. I want that. I want that. I want to know 
what is God like? What is God not like? What does he want? What does he not want? And how can I do that? I think so many people are wired that way. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. You tell me what not to do and I won't do it. But what is God's will? And you know, it's, it's, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's important that we understand knowing God and his will always produces wisdom and understanding. Did you hear that? Amen. When we know God's word, we learn God's will. It all starts with his word. When you know God's word, you know God's character. When you know God's character, you know what his will looks like. Now there's details. God, I know that you've called me to do this, but where did you call me to do it? God, I know that you've called me to walk away from this, but what is it that you're calling me to walk towards right now? There's details in your life, but when you know God's word, you know God's character, and when you know God's character, you know what his will will look like. Agreed? It's important for us. And we, we need to, so we need to know his word, but we also need to pray and ask God to give us wisdom. I love that scripture in James. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Now I ask you, is there anything that you'll give to somebody liberally without regret? Anything? But God says, if you ask for wisdom... I'll give you wisdom. If you ask for it, you seek for it, you, and, and, and you desire it, I will give it to you. What a promise. Amen? And so we absolutely want to know the will of God. And there's so many people that don't see the value of knowing God's will, and it blows my mind. You want to know the will of God. You want to know the will of God for every aspect of your life. And we don't either because we don't know the word or we don't seek wisdom. Those are the two biggest reasons we don't know the word of God or we're the will of God. Amen? Amen. It's kind of like the difference here between this bullseye and the blank thing here. It's probably hard for you to tell. We need thicker words or lettering, I guess. But, but the one with the bullseye says God's will exclamation point. The other one that's blank says God's will question mark. When you know God's will, because you know his word and you know his character and you sought wisdom and he's revealed his will to you, you now have an accurate thing to shoot for, right? But when you don't, you don't. So it's easy for me now. Sorry, I was carrying in church. It's easy for me. I don't know how this is going to go, but now, now for sure I know. so anticlimactic. I need more gun. I need better gun. Gavin, bring to me the centurion. This pleases me greatly. This gun is no joke. You can't do an illustration with this. You need it with this. And this thing, this thing's awesome. And it makes a 
This is menacing, right? For a, for a gun, you can go ahead and take, turn that off. That's awesome. This is called the centurion. What a kick-butt name for a gun, right? Like, look, listen. So now let's try again. I'm probably going to miss it just as bad, but let's give it a shot. You know God's will because you can see clear what you're shooting for. Because you know his word and because you know his character and you've sought God on wisdom. Now you understand what his will looks like. It gives you something to clearly shoot at. Close. Close. But what we do so often is we don't seek God on his will. We don't educate us on ourselves on his word. We don't, we don't seek wisdom, and we don't know God's character. So it's impossible to know what you're shooting for. So what we do is actually this. We, we decide we're going to go ahead and, and aim for something. And so we do. Yeah, not so much. There we go. We aim, and because there's, there's no telling what God's will really looks like, you're going to want to move the camera this way. There you go. What we do now is we go to the place where we shot, and we call this our bullseye. Right? This is God's will here. We shoot for whatever, and now we call this God's best. We don't shoot for what we know the scripture says so often, especially in society, we shoot our shot and wherever we land, we paint a bullseye around it and call it God's will. If you ever notice somebody in your life, they're walking in sin, they're walking in something they shouldn't be walking in, and you're like, how on earth can they be a man or woman of God and still walk in that? This is why. They haven't sought God on wisdom. They don't know his word. They don't know his character. So they have nothing to aim at. So they just shoot their shot. And whatever they land on, they call that God's will. They call that their bullseye. That's dangerous. That's how you get error in scripture. That's how you get error. And that's how you, that's how you misjudge what scripture says. That's how somebody who doesn't know Christ can walk in things that, that they shouldn't be walking in because they haven't been aiming for his will. They've been redefining his will based on the shot that they took and where it landed. And God says, that's not what I want for you. I don't want you to not know my will. You've got to know my will. And so that's why Paul says it's so important to understand God's will. So when he says that, here's what he's saying. We must know his will and we must walk in wisdom because if we don't check this out, we will either aim at nothing or even worse, fall for anything. Did you hear that? You'll either hit nothing or you'll fall for anything. And you'll allow yourself to be talked into just about anything. Yes. This is why we have to know the word. 
Knowing the word is knowing his will. That's why so often when we pray over you, what do we pray? We pray the scriptures. Because praying the scriptures is praying God's will when you pray the scriptures in the correct context. Amen? So that's verse 9. That we would that we would know his knowledge in all wisdom and understanding. Verse 10, here it comes. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. God, and in another scripture, says that we would walk worthy of our calling. This is what God calls us to. He calls us to walk worthy of the life that he's given us, this life in Christ that we have. He calls us to walk worthy of it. I'm going to help you understand in a second exactly what that means. But God gives us wisdom, understanding, and his will is his job. But walking worthy and living a life that he would be pleased with, that's our job. So what does that look like? Galatians 5, chapter, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit of love is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Does anybody else not a fan of that word? If I'm going to have suffering, I would like it to be the short variety. Right? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. So when we sow into the Spirit... And we walk in holiness. These things are the byproduct of walking worthy. Do you hear that? This isn't your goal. Your goal isn't love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's not your goal. Your goal is Jesus. Your goal is holiness. Your goal is to walk in such a way that you show him you're thankful for the salvation he's given you and the byproduct of all of that are these things, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's a byproduct of walking worthy of what God has given you. Do you hear that? Sow into spirit, and of the spirit you will reap these things. Sow into the flesh, and all the things of the world that, that, that hurt our hearts so much, that's a byproduct of not walking in the spirit. That's a byproduct of not walking worthy of what God's done. There's a movie called Saving Private Ryan. Anybody ever seen Saving Private Ryan? Wow, what a movie. Uh, man, it just brings alive some things. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to show you a clip from it, but I'm not going to show you the, the part that, that might be hard to watch. But there's this part at the end where they went and rescued this guy, James Ryan because all of his brothers had passed away in the war, so they went on a mission to find him to bring mom home a son, right? And so all these guys gave their life and put their life on the line to rescue him. I mean, you see a type of, of God's love here, right? Putting your life on the line to rescue another, that what is greater love has no, has no one than to lay down his life for a friend. But listen to what one of the men who just gave his life for him says to him. Check it out.
They're tank busters, sir. P-51s. Angels on our shoulders. What, sir? with you, I, I wasn't sure how I'd feel coming back here. Every day, I think about what you said to me that day on the bridge. I've tried to live my life the best I could. I hope that was enough. I hope that at least in your eyes, I've earned what all of you have done for me. You wonder in those moments in his life when life was getting hard, maybe his marriage in a struggle, and he had the opportunity to do the wrong thing. You wonder if the, if the voice in his head was one of the ones who just gave his life for him saying, earn this moment. Now, some of you may be thinking, okay, that's great for Private Ryan, but what about us with God? How are we supposed to earn God's grace? My friends, I just want you to understand, you, you can never earn God's grace. It's a free gift. His mercy is free, but man, we can live our lives so that we walk worthy of what he's done for us. I want to read you something, and the Lord just kind of blew my mind with this. And If you want to, you can, you can, you can share this all over the place. I it says, it's just this thought, there's nothing I can do that will earn the grace of God, but I can live daily in such a way that assures God his grace was well spent. And that's what Paul's talking about right now. There's nothing I can do to earn the grace of God. I will never be good enough for God's grace. I will never be good enough to earn it. I will never in my own strength be able to earn what he's done, but every day I can live in such a way that I can assure God, God, your grace was well spent on the life that I'm going to live. 
I'm going to live in such a way that you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, you spent your life well on me. I can't control how others do it. I can't control how others live. But I can say for me and myself and the life that I'm living, your grace will be well spent. That's what Paul's saying here. That you would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is what God calls us to. I just want to live my life in such a way beyond salvation, beyond heaven and hell, but when I walk into the kingdom of God, that I know he's going to, I know he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I know that. I know what the scripture says. I've, I've given my life to him. I know that's what I'm going to hear but I still want him to be pleased with the way that I lived my life. Amen? So Paul is praying for the church of Colossae, and I would say the same for us, that we would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So what does verse 11 say? That we would also be strengthened with all might according to his, whose? His glorious power. But there's a reason for it, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. I'll just say this. I love that it says that we'd be strengthened with all my according to his power. Thank God it rests on his power and not that of our own. Anyone else grateful for that? Thank God it rests on his power and not my ability to hold it together. Thank God it rests on his power, not my ability to get it right. We would all be in trouble if we were all depending on our own self, but it is his strength that we live in. God wants to strengthen us for the moment. You're asking me what moment? I'm saying every moment. God wants to strengthen you for every moment. That we'd be strengthened in his presence, in his might, to face the things that we have to face. Guys, I got to tell you, these are things you don't hear pastors talk about, but this isn't the only things, thing that pastors do. We've gotten some hard phone calls, some really hard phone calls. You may not know this about your uh, young world pastors, Dan and Paris. On the way here, a car flipped in the highway in front of them and they got here late because they were, they were being some of the first responders while waiting for the police to get there. But that's what pastors do. That's what you would do too. Being a pastor is, is awesome. Amen. So much fun. But also you get called into some of the hardest things. And the only thing I can tell you is that in those moments, God's grace is enough. And his strength is sufficient. That's the only way I've made it through some of the things that I've seen. Before I came here, uh, a few years, a couple years before I came here, I, I had a moment, and I'm just going to tell you a little bit about it. Not because of me, but because of God's strength to get me through it. I can only tell you what he's done in my life. It's just like you can only tell, him what he's, tell me what he's done in yours. But I remember the day we lost a, a mom of three. And she was in her 30s and she had had brain cancer and she was in treatment and um 
This was her second go around with cancer. I think she was 36 years old. And they call me in because she went unresponsive. And I'm there with mom, and I'm there with dad, and I'm there with her husband and her brother. Her husband and I had been friends since we were young. We went to school together. And the doctor comes in, and he asks this question that to this day I still can't believe he asked. He said, well, how heroic do you want me to be? I'm like, brother, put your cape on and be heroic. Do whatever you got to do. Like, come on. This goes on for an hour. And finally, the head nurse walks in, and she looks at me, and she says, do you want to go pray for her? And I'm like, absolutely. And it was one of those moments when I walked in. They were still working on her. But it was apparent God had already made his decision. And so my prayer kind of changed. And as I was walking out, I said, I said to the nurse, I said, she's gone, isn't she? And she's like, yeah. I said, the doctor doesn't have the guts to tell the family, does he? And she said, no, he can't do it. All right, I'll do it. And I walked in and I told my friend that his wife was gone. And I told that woman that her daughter was gone. And then I took the doctor out and I had a talk with him. What on earth? Why am I having talks with doctors? Who am I? As I look back, the only thing I can tell you is that I was walking in a strength that wasn't my own. I'm Terry from Shiloh. For real. If y'all knew just how jacked up I really was, you probably would have choose a different church. If Wes Jones ever gets mad at me, he's got enough dirt to bury me twice. And that's just in the autocorrects you've gotten. But yet and still, this guy who didn't make it through one full year of college, I was at OSU Mansfield for a half a quarter. What is that, an eighth for you math whizzes? A half a quarter. That's it. But God strengthened me for something I never thought I'd ever be able to do. That's my experience. Your your experience may look totally different. But one thing I know for sure is that just like Paul said, he wants that you would be strengthened for everything according to his might. God wants to do that in you so that you may face things you never thought you'd ever face, but you will blow through them. And it can't hold you back. It can't stop you because you're strengthened by God. Where's that little cord at that was right there? And this is, this is all we are, friends. All we are is just this little thing right here. We're a power cord, and that's it. God wants to work and he wants to work in people's lives, and he wants to work in people's lives through you. So you've got to be plugged into them. That's this side. But if you aren't plugged into the Holy Spirit, then you won't be able to take his power and put it into somebody else's life. So you've got an endless supply of strength that you can tap into called God's strength for your life. You just got to be plugged into him. And God says, I will strengthen you. 
I will, I will give you the ability to do things you never thought. You'll have an unlimited power source so that you can plug in and sustain us in every moment. But if you try and do it in your own power, you will burn out with no remedy. It's not an if, it is a certainty. When you walk in your own strength, you have no strength. When you walk in his strength, you have all you need. You have to stay connected to God. Because look at what the rest of the scripture says. It says that you would be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Stop right there. If it ended right there, that would be awesome. Right? That you would be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Don't we all want that? But look at what else it says right after that. It says, for all patience. Stop. Collaborate. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Stop. For all patience. For you to walk in patience means that you have to have situations that require patience. I'm good. Thanks. I'm good. I'm, I'm not down with that idea. For all patience, check this out. And long-suffering. Again, that word. Long-suffering. Two words that I do not believe belong together. Long-suffering. Give me long good times. Right? Give me long happiness. Give me long joy. Keep your long suffering. But that's not how it works. So check this out. For you, and so at the very end of it, it says, for patience and long suffering, what's the last two words? With joy. Here's the bottom line. In moments in life, you are going to face moments where you need, you are going to face moments where, where it requires patience and long suffering. And if you are ever going to have joy in the midst of that, you've got to be plugged into the presence of God. It says, it says patience, long suffering, and joy. For you to retain your joy in the middle of moments of patience and long-suffering, you've got to be plugged into God. There's no other way to do it. You've got to be connected to him, strengthened for the moment, so that at the end of the patience and the long-suffering, you still have your joy. And in the middle of the patience and the long-suffering, you still have your joy. Joy is different than happiness. Happiness is dependent on circumstances. And people will lie to themselves and blow up their whole entire family and search for happiness. God doesn't care about your happiness. What? No, no, he wants me happy. No, the, the, the really pretty preacher on TV said so. Well, he's wrong then. God doesn't care about your happiness. God cares about your joy. Happiness is dependent on your circumstances. Joy is dependence on him. He says he wants to have you in the middle of moments where, you need, where you're facing patience and long-suffering. Happiness won't cut it. You will bail every single time. But when you have joy, you have strength to stay. Amen? Amen? Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet. For this reason also, since the day we heard, do not cease to pray for you. To ask God that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. 
that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. This is the Apostle Paul's prayer for the church of Colossae, but this is also, Apostle Paul would pray this over us right now. We're living in perilous times. And if we expect to survive or even thrive, it's got to be because of those things that, that he prayed in this chunk of Scripture. That we would be strengthened, that we would walk worthy, and that we would be filled with his strength. Because all this world is throwing at us as opportunities to be patient and long-suffer. Being connected to him will retain our joy. Amen? Who wants that? Does anybody else want that for yourself? Do you want that for yourself? So you seek after God with everything that you have. And you create space in your life for him to move. I'm not great at it. No, nobody's perfect at it. But you still have to do it. Create opportunity. Create space. Put down the cell phone. Turn off the television. Put the computer away. And create opportunity where God can do what God wants to do because this is how it happens. And in those moments in life where it gets hard, you have this. You have his strength. You've walked worthy. You have his strength and his joy. You have knowledge of his will, and you're ready to move forward when other people have no ability to move forward at all. It's because of what you're plugged into. It's because of who you're plugged into. Amen? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray, and if you want that, the altars are open. For some reason, this church is great at responding to the altar during worship, but yet... At the end of service, not so much. Not sure what's going on there. But if you want to know God's will for your life, and you want to walk worthy of what he's done, and you want strength so that you can walk through situations where patience and long-suffering is required with joy, altars are open. I'm done after I pray. This is for you. Father God, I thank you for each and every person, and I thank you for your, what your word says. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, God. You give us these things. And so God, we seek after you, and we just pray that you would pour yourself out. For those who've never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, God, I pray that they would come running to you right now in Jesus' mighty name. But let us all leave here today looking more like you, looking more like this than we did when we walked in, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Altars are open. If you want to get to the altar, come to the altar. If you need prayer, we're here. If you want to talk to me about giving Jesus your life, we're here. If you got to go, you can go. But what do you want? It's open. God bless you guys.